0: Um, and I think the other thing One thing I will definitely say Is speak to someone Speak to someone And ask for help Would be the third thing Because We all like to tell Everybody else How rad Things are for us Best life ever You know No one's vulnerable Nobody wants to say Listen uh, Like and I told Alan Even before we went live I was like Dude we made cash flow crunch uh, I'm like I'm like You know SHITing myself You know um, And so Just you know, and then he can rebound and say no, but that's normal. Like I've got companies who like have five hundred million in salary bills and they can't pay. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there's always the haves and the have mores, and those people who have it worse than you. Mm. Um, but uh, speak Absolutely. to. Absolutely. That's why we do the show, this version of the show, Getting Down with Brown, is because we want to help mm. you get through this, so that you can ask for help. Thank you, Annette, for asking for help because that is the the first step towards overcoming the problem. <laughs> Hi there, guys, and welcome back to the fourth installment of the Getting Down With Brown format of the Matt Brown show. This is all about you, this particular format of the show, where we get to answer your questions live on air using our studio line specifically. So if you haven't joined the studio line, please do so uh, as soon as you guys can. So using the WhatsApp line, you guys can actually send your voice notes directly to us and we will tackle your problems live on air. It's as simple as that. So today there were a lot of questions about people and culture and how to remain calm and focused in a very uncertain time and pay careful attention to an awesome question from Garrett Leck, the co-founder and CEO of Joe Public, all about innovation, which I think right now is an awesome time to be innovating, especially in a market that is uncertain with new opportunities springing up every single day. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Getting Down with Brown version 4, episode 260. With me is Saskia V. Saskia, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Well, you know, getting on with things. Um, Geez, last week thought I was having a cash flow crunch, this uh, literally five days ago, and now we've had our best month ever. So, figure that out. Uh, navigating this uh, this crazy ride of entrepreneurship which is kind of why we're here today and uh, it's all really around business uh, problems and kind of solving that. So our theme for this episode is solving modern day business problems. We're going to dive into a whole bunch of voice notes from the community. Uh, we are live streaming this and uh, if you are um, watching this, wherever you're watching this, feel free to uh, Interact. Uh, we do have a studio line, uh, which is on the stream notes. Mav will uh, post up the, um, the the number as well. Uh, but it's very important for you guys to engage. Uh, so let's make this as interactive as possible. If you want to interact all anywhere where you're watching this, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, just comment and it will come directly through to the team here um, on the Matt Brown show. So uh, let's get into our first voice note, shall we? So this one is from Justin. Here it comes. Sometime today. Hi, this is uh, Justin from Fitness X Animo. Uh, My question is, um, is there any sort of standard measures that a business can put in place um, now that would be able to ensure the success um, of the business or the survival of the business, um, and also does a does a business owner ever get to a point where uh, they have some okay. sort of uh, job security or some sort of financial security? Um, and if so, what's the best way to to get there? Okay, so that uh, voice note dropped out there, guys. Apologies for the audio quality, but essentially, uh, Justin, uh, obviously CrossFit ex Animo. Well, Fitness X Animo is a gym. Uh, you can't go to gym. What I did see uh, actually uh, recently is Virgin launched, I think it was this week actually, they launched their uh, their online personal training service, which which I thought was quite interesting. Um, I think, uh, you know, I suppose the reality is that if, if you, there's a strategy you want to bank on, it's got to be sales. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously CrossFit as well. There was that whole stink this uh, this last couple of weeks where thanks to George Floyd, the founder of uh, CrossFit, let me actually bring this up to give some context here. Um, he put some stuff out on Twitter that was um, not particularly uh, seen as popular and remembering that CrossFit is a $3.5 billion health and fitness chain um and so one of the the things that uh, transpired here was that based on his comments a lot of the franchise owners were like hmm i'm not so sure we want to be associated with the brand crossfit and um he eventually resigned and um and what transpired was here's the article here greg glassman embattled owner of crossfit to sell his company let me just bring it up on the screen So there you go, guys. Um, So the sale follows outcry over comments Mr. Glassman made about the death of George Floyd and reports of sexual harassment under his management. So anyway, not the kind of thing you want your CEO to be associated with. Um, And so um, I think uh, Justin also, I think that's what, the re, why the rebrand happened from CrossFit X Animo to Fitness X Animo. So that's another thing that's happened on top of COVID-19. You, you're not able to really have clients uh, come to your gym. You're now also having your brand tarnished by some CEO uh, sitting in the US um, and, um, and Consequently, Greg Glassman has now sold his company to uh, a, a, an investor, so he's sitting pretty with billions. But old Justin there is sitting with a problem, uh, in that he's looking for a strategy that's going to help ensure that his business is going to survive this, you know, foreseeable sort of quarter and the quarters after that. Um, And I think that the one thing that I would say, it's just sales. We have to figure out, you would have to figure out, just like Virgin has tried to figure out, what are the immediate options for us to to bank on? And and what could we do to ensure that we are lending ourselves as a business to sales? And sales being the lifeblood of any business, right? My business, your business, Virgin's business, whoever is listening to us right now, watching us right now, Uh, sales is everything so if there was one strategy that I would suggest that you bank on it's sales Um, and I think you know the fact that you've you've rebranded to fitness x animo I would say well what does that mean you know what idea do we want to own in the mindset of our customers what could we do that's like could you package a home workout program specifically designed for a very specific customer who's busy who doesn't have access to gyms or just prefers to work out from home Uh, And what would make it different? Like, is it a 12 week program that's priced at X that takes you through these routines that you can follow at your own pace at home? Um, You know, and what content would I need to produce in order to take this thing forward to, to make it relevant to a new customer? So uh, there's no easy solution to this, but whatever you decide, it must be something that you, can, that you can bank on. And that means someone needs to basically say that I'm prepared to buy this new product or this new solution. And the best way that, I, that I've ever employed, having founded over 10 companies now, um, is that speak to a hundred people? Like if you've you've got customers. So uh, I know Justin, we 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 are members there, um, or at least we we used to go there every Tuesday and Thursday as a team for CrossFit, right? Um, and so um, you know, speak to a hundred people, get them to pay a deposit on this new service, unlock some cash flow, build the thing to its entirety, and then be hard, be radically aggressive and radically kind with this, because whatever you decide to do, you cannot be half assed about it. It needs to be hard. It needs to be fast. It needs to be aggressive. It needs to mobilize all of your attention, all of your passion, all of your resources, all of your perseverance in order to get the thing over the line. Uh, if you half ass the thing and you're kind of going to change, but not really, then you're not going to make it. Um, so, Saskia, your, your, your volume's gone. Speak that's the mute fairy. <laughs> <laughs> cool, while well, you're sorting that out, are you back? Are you back with us? No? Okay. You've lost audio. Okay, fine. Let's get into another uh, question here. Uh, this one's from Lauren.
1: Hi, Matt. This is Lauren here from Mrs. Wolf. My question to you and your audience today would be, if you won new business during lockdown, um, what marketing tool or effort was your secret weapon thanks have a great show
0: Hmm. interesting question what would be your secret weapon if you made or if your business grew during lockdown hmm what would be the secret weapon jeez oh, i think i would say in our space customer relationships uh, and innovation. And I think creating the perception that you are still number one in your category or that you still are best positioned to solve an ever evolving problem in the mindsets of your customers. Hey, Saskia, are you back now?
1: I don't know.
0: Am yes, I- you are. You're back. Well done. There you go. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so so what we've done is we've actually diversified In we've launched two new products. We've got a, something called the Go-To-Market Suite, which is now far more uh, cost-effective or affordable, should I say, to a different type of customer. Uh, we've also launched a new com- a new brand called TechSumo, which is, a pr- is kind of like the take-a-lot of demand generation for technology businesses. Um, and we did all of that in in you know a week, maybe a little bit more than a week, from I'd conception of idea to actually being in market to actually making our first sale. So from the time that it was in market, Texumo, to the time that we closed our first deal was three days, um, and that was from uh, you know the the sale that first sale came from uh, from an existing customer. So that's the point, right? So I think especially now you got to hold on to those customers, the customers that have traded with you, Justin and the gym, the guys that have supported you over that time, you have to f- rather, you know, look at uh, the idea of protecting the churn of your customer base, as opposed to trying to just acquire new ones, because a bird in the, in the hand is what's that saying, Saskia A bird in the hand is worth four times as much or something. Like in, the bird, in the tree, in yeah, the tree. yes. Yeah. in the bush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so but, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: I do think there's always, uh, there's always a positive that you can get from any situation. This is Rich Mulholland's thing always, that in any kind of crisis, you can find a business opportunity. That's when you actually will. So with the previous, with the gym, I know for myself, I'm doing a lot of yoga classes now that are online. Mm. And the really positive thing about it is for those people that don't like to be judged in the gym environment or so for CrossFit, for example, look, a lot of people love CrossFit because it's so competitive, but you might be one of those people that's always loved the exercise part, but you don't actually like going to CrossFit and having everyone judge you. This is the perfect solution because you can do it online in your home with a CrossFit trainer, a proper professional CrossFit trainer, but nobody's looking at you. And so that's sort of an example of taking this and there will be people that will actually prefer doing Mm. it online
0: and who didn't really have the choice before or weren't fully fully they weren't forced to adopt this new exercise program at home but now they are Um, but
1: now they are they'll probably love it yeah
0: exactly um so yeah i couldn't agree with you more i mean i would never go back to a gym like a highly highly unlikely unless I was going there for a very specialized reason. Like I'm going there to do this kind of training for this kind of outcome. Um and um but outside of that like I'd never be caught dead in a virgin. Do you know what I mean? Like the 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 whole experience of going to a big gym isn't great. You know what I mean? For a lot but, of people. For a lot of yeah. people, exactly. And myself I, I include myself in that. And the reason why I like Justin's gym so much, uh Mav, please tag Justin from FitnessX Animo um, but the reason why I love Justin's concept so much because it feels like you're part of something small and special because um, not everybody can hack CrossFit, but anybody can swing a dumbbell. You know what I mean? Uh, you have to be a, exactly. c- a certain level. But
1: Justin needs to, Go ahead. to bring that in online. So, Justin, that's your, you need to figure that out. Mm. How can I create this wonderful space online? Sure, th- It can be done.
0: Exactly. And so there's two, there's two gaps that needs to be closed there. One is a knowledge gap. So what exactly do I need to build around this new proposition? And the second thing is once I know what that is, um, then what is the skills gap that I need? So if, if like, you know, if you're going to produce video content, et cetera, then, you know, do you really want to take the pain of trying to figure out cameras and lighting and lenses and all that stuff? Or do you just want to pay someone else to do it? You know what I mean? Um, but whatever you decide to do, you've got to close those gaps. Um, and then, and I think above all, like, remain hungry for the pain because the obstacle really is the way. It's that you know, you don't get to go back necessarily. Sure. Um, so you have to figure out, well, if, if I'm in the trenches taking grenades, like, am I going to sit here and keep taking the heat? Or am I going to get up and go and, like, light some fires over there on the other side of the hill? Um, and it's not easy. It's not for everybody, you know, um, and a lot of people don't want the change. They don't want the pain. They'd rather just take the, the, the slow flow and survive. But you know, I'm, I'm not a survivor. Like I hate, well, I mean, I am a survivor in many respects, but I hate surviving as an entrepreneur. That's a, it's a horrible place to be. So you want to get out of that space as fast as possible. And going back to, uh, the, the relationship side of things. I think the people that will help you transition to whatever this new idea is, this new product or service is, are your existing customers. It's, it's not new ones. You know, selling a new solution to a That's new true. customer yeah. is harder than selling a new solution to an existing customer. And being very aware of like business... Yeah. Business is all really, I like people say, oh, business is business. You can be mean to people. I'm like, no, business is personal. You can't, you can't be mean to people. You have to, like everything in business is personal. Like the reason why any transaction happens is because it's baked in trust and uh, trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets, right? So you have to always focus <laughs> on your existing customer and develop something for them. Like ask your customers What if you were to train at home and if I were to build your ideal training program, what would it look like? Walk me through that. And you ask 100 customers, 10 customers even, doesn't even need to be that much of a sample size. You ask 10 customers and then you start to, it's triangulation at scale, right? So I write about this in my book. You're looking to test an assumption or a set of hypotheses around a new idea or product before you start to build the thing. Because you don't also want to be three months down the line and then nobody wants it, <laughs> you know? So, so, you know, and that's oh. kind of what we've done with TechSumo, we were very careful around who the customer was, recognizing that the problem was shifting because of COVID. Cost pressures are huge in, the t- in all businesses, but it's also specifically in the technology business. And so to be able to take the jam in the middle of the donut was the opportunity, right? So uh, we've done that and we've done that successfully. So I think Justin... And Lauren, those are that's what I would do. For your secret weapon, existing customers—that's the it's the relationships uh-huh. that you hold. I mean, the other thing I'll say is like referral business is so untapped; it's frightening. Like we've got a product called uh, Referrals Zen, so it's designed to mine your customer, your existing customers, uh, for referrals. So it re- it helps you to understand what your 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 current state of your existing relationships are. Who's most likely to predict, or, or sorry, who's most likely to uh, to to churn at the end of the month. Wouldn't that be nice if you were a gym owner? And then for those customers that are going to stick with you through thick and thin, then are they likely or can they refer you to three people? And if you land one of those, they've experienced your product, can the others refer uh, them to to you? Um, and so it's all network. I mean, like we did research in the technology space and especially in the smaller uh, small and mid-tier companies, many of the small businesses. Over 60% of new business com- comes from referrals. A lot of them don't do any, any marketing, any pipeline or any lead generation whatsoever. And that's because in the small business oh. space, referrals and relationships always win. They always win. It's like you sometimes, you just don't have the money to do a big marketing campaign. So work with 10 customers, existing customers, refine the proposition Mm -hmm. for them, figure out where the problem is now in this new COVID-19 world and pick a market. Like my uh, uncle was a a personal trainer at Virgin for many, many years, bodybuilding, competitions, all this kind of stuff. Um, And I said to him, he's based in Cape Town. I said, well, why don't you offer a home program for high net worth females? Rich chicks, basically, in Cape Town. Right, with all the time in the world, you want to look good, have cash to spend, uh, and don't like the experience of a big gym. You got that's it, and then you talk to ten of them and you say, okay, right. So if I were to do something, what 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 would you pay? You know, what kind of experience would you like? How many times a week? What kind of you know? Blah 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 blah. You know, and so knowing your space as a pt as a personal trainer what would they say and look at the data points and then make a call and mm-hmm. play it from there you know
1: and then to add on to that would you then go back so say you get the information you create you know what people want what your target wants would you then go back and say hey look i'm doing it and do you think that that person then feels even more compelled to join because they helped the idea or do you think that doesn't make a difference?
0: Well, it it does. So I would take the first 10 and say, listen, I'm going to give it to you for free. I'm actually going to run you through this program Mm. for free. And at the end of it, all I want is a case study, a testimonial. I want you to tell me honestly and 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 authentically what you think. Would you recommend this to Mm. another, uh, you know, high net worth woman, divorcee, you know, whatever. I mean, there's so many, I mean, also in Cape town, the whole demographic there shifted to like, ultra high net worth right so a lot of foreigners are running around there um and so you know and it's, it's like you make your money in in johannesburg and then you move down to cape town that's like that's like what people do right <laughs>
1: matt brown did
0: it the other way around <laughs> yeah i was like i came from cape town i was like i'm out of here guys <laughs> too many germans <laughs>
1: hey, Alex- <laughs> hey todd alexis from, digital- <laughs> alexis from digital kung fu says so true Time and time again, we have evolved under the pressure of existing customers' evolving needs. So that's why you need – obviously, this is what you always say. You need to make sure you always know what your customer wants and needs, maybe even before they do, if that's possible.
0: Yeah, well that's it so going back to your 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 10 right you give it to them for free or you give them to, give it to them as a discount or whatever and they then become the ambassadors they then become your 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 starting point your genesis team around the referral strategy right so I've given it to you for free you love the product now you you 10 refer three three other potential customers to me that's 30 you make 2000 i mean let's just say it's you know a cheap product for that 10000 rand right from start to finish for three months that's like 300 grand you banked for not doing it, not sure. spending a cent on marketing just caring about your customer um and i think you know there's there's a fundamental lack of care also that's a major thing i also want to land with everybody there's a major lack of care in this uh, in business in general like really understanding what is the problem that your customers are currently facing i mean the other thing to say is for those of your customers that you do have have you thanked them like I sent a message to uh, Joanne from mm. uh, a major Telco company CMO at one of our customers and I just said to her I just want to say thank you for all the support that you've given me and the team and stuff like that means the world to them that's all you mm. need to do to cement a relationship because once that ha- you do something simple as that it's just sending a message cost you nothing maybe like a minute of time if you're slow
1: absolutely right
0: and Have you- <laughs> And that, and they will remember that. They will oh, remember that. that.
1: I love that. And it's the same with your employees. They say it's the same. We are always way quicker to, to take the time to complain than to say thank you to somebody. Mm. And it's so silly. But yeah, that's Yeah. A very good point. I'm actually writing that down.
0: You're writing it down. <laughs> so I actually sent Mav a love letter yesterday. I was like, Mav, I appreciate you. Didn't I, Maverick? Why isn't he not on here? <laughs> Get him on here. Cool. Let's play another uh, voice note. <laughs> let's go with this one. Hi, Matt. Uh, Mike here. Uh, I'm a CEO of a company called Region Renewables. Uh, love your podcast, by the way. Uh, I had a question for you regarding keeping staff motivated and, and on track during COVID 19. Uh, I think a lot of businesses are struggling. With the uncertainty or at least staff are feeling uncertain and you know their performance can be suffering or they can be stressed can you perhaps share some tips that you may have gleaned from the many ceos and business greats that you've interviewed as to how they would uh, maintain motivation within companies thank you stay with us we'll be right back uh cool tough one so i think the first starting point there on shared motivation is having uh, having a very clear vision that everybody understands what they're working towards i think that's a that's a starting point one of the things i'm a great believer in is giving people more responsibility so if you want meaning you take on more responsibility and people a person with meaning is a powerhouse a person without a north star is a mess like they're unproductive they don't they're not motivated um they oftentimes are dissent in the ranks of your team um, and it's very hard to motivate a person that just doesn't want to be motivated so the way that you and also there's the there's two types of motivation there's external motivation which is here yeah, we're going to build this monster uh, business called digital kung fu and we all, we all share the vision um, and then the other side of the coin is internal motivation so i can't do the internal motivation for you. You have to do that yourself. Um, So the way that I've done that is by giving people more responsibility than they signed up for. So just yesterday I gave um, one of our, basically head of digital, he's kind of like grown into this role now. (laughs) He started as a multimedia editor, now he's like the head of digital. (laughs) But he's a proper monster, right? And so um, long story short, uh, yesterday I phoned him and I said, look, Here's a, here's a vacuum in the business that I've stepped out of and no one's put their hand up and I need you to do that. Um, and I said, gave him basically a pep talk, said, listen, I need you to do this because no one else has, has put their hand up and I believe you're the best person for this job. So he's not, he did, he, I gave him more responsibility than he signed up for. And, and I know this for me, the more responsibility you take on, the more meaning your life automatically gets. It's like, if you have kids Mean, meaning, massive meaning straight away. If you have a wife or a husband, massive meaning. you, have you found that as well? You're on the mute fairy. I'm on mute again because, yeah. you know,
1: my, my kids are in the background. <laughs> yes, absolutely. More meaning. And I do think as well, correct me if I'm wrong here, but because you said you need a North star you need the meaning. But I think from an employee perspective, you need a short-term meaning and something long-term, but lots of short-term ones as well, possibly. What do you think with regard to that? It can't just be, okay, this is digital Kung Fu. This is what we're going for. Mm. I would like to one day take over from Matt as CEO, let's mm. say. But what is my short-term mm. motivation here as well? I would think that you p- possibly need two.
0: Yeah. Um. So I'm reading an interesting book about uh, behavior. It's called Atomic Habits. Uh, Let me just get it up on on the screen here, which I think is uh, relevant here to answer that question, Atomic Habits. Get the author's name. James Clear, that's his name. Um, Highly, highly recommend that you read this book if you're interested in uh, the relationship between um, habits and success and essentially how to break through Uh, good habits or how to build great good habits but also break bad ones we bring it up on the screen here Um, this is a phenomenal book right Um, and to answer your question about long-term and short-term sure you need both but what does short-term mean what's the habits right so you have to have the right habits in order to reach uh, any kind of defined outcome so uh, he writes in this book here James Clear he writes about the, the role of of, of habits um, and its relationship to something uh, like outcomes focused goals so in other words, I want to uh, do more exercise right like as an example I've got some more questions coming in here on the whatsapp line which I'll get to in a second um, from Benny on whatsapp on the studio line thanks for checking in um so Uh, you have I want to do more exercise is not the right way to create a habit that will stick because we all want to do more exercise but we don't right so it's it's the reason why new year's resolutions are so poor is because we all want to do more exercise we all want to make more money but that's not actually the most effective way to create a habit that sticks and that will be long-lasting and actually easy to uh, maintain as opposed to something that you constantly struggle with Um, and he says that uh, the role of habits to your identity is where you actually need to start so it's not about I want to do more exercise it is I am a healthy person right so if you ask someone that's uh, uh, you know uh, trying to quit smoking if you said would you like a cigarette and they go and they go no I'm trying to uh, cut down Right? It's an outcomes focused goal. It's not part of their identity. But if you said, uh, you know, would you like mm. a cigarette? And they said, I, no, I don't smoke. It's an identity related response. Mm. So that's why people struggle with, with smoking so much, right? Were you going to say something?
1: It's exactly the same with health and fitness. I'm also a health and fitness person. And it's such an important mindset instead of, I can't eat that, I'm dieting. You need to say, no, I don't eat that. I don't eat bread. (laughs) I do not. And it's like, it's now become your choice. It's about you and you feel empowered saying that as opposed to, I'm a diet, I can't eat bread. Exactly. It really does work.
0: It does Amazing. work. It does work. And so that, and I used to smoke, right, which is nuts when I think about it now. Because for me, when I see someone smoke, I go, oh, look, there's an insane person. Um, so, but, but what I used to say to stop smoking, I used to say, "And when because you, you get, so you see someone smoking and now you automatically want one, right? It's like, if you stop drinking and you see someone drinking a beer on a hot day, it's like a trigger for you, right? So if you said, uh, and I used to say to myself, no, I don't smoke. And that was the first, that's when I would be able to arrest the urge to have a cigarette. Yeah. And then if it, con- if it persisted, which was very rare, by the way, because my identity response was, no, I don't smoke. And that immediately stopped the, the trigger. Yeah. But if, if and when it persisted, I'd just say, no, smoking makes me sick in my head. Didn't tell anybody. And that would always, like literally always, that's all I did to stop smoking. It was crazy. Because then I hear people who really do struggle like they really do struggle with it. And I recognize that it's a hectic, hectic drug that people are addicted to, Like right? It's worse mm. than heroin, right? Um, but, it, but I think if you're going to change anything in the short term, like smoking, if you're going to do it, do it from a place of identity, not from a place of want. Because we all want things, but in many cases you don't get what you want, right? So to get what yes. you need, you've got to focus on the identity. Mm. So, so to answer your question, and that's yeah, go ahead.
1: That empowers, it's just empowering yourself again. So all these things, just empower yourself and make it, yes, it's it, not a want. Mm. This is me. I do not smoke.
0: That's it. And he also says- I'm going to try this. You do it. Do it. Do you smoke? Do you smoke? No, very, occasional, very
1: occasionally. Very occasionally. Very occasional. So he, was, yeah. he,
0: was, he describes this uh, friend of his who lost 100 pounds by simply saying, what would a healthy person do? Because it's about who you are becoming, not about what you want. Who do you want to become versus what you want? Ah, So, yeah, so it is all about becoming. Who do you want to become? And then recognizing that questions play a big role in that whole process, right? So what would a healthy person do? What would a great leader do in this situation, Hmm. you know? Um, And so those questions reflect one's identity and in the process, the habits that underpin that, because it starts to reinforce itself, right? If you say that, what would a healthy person do? Um, Or no, I don't smoke. Over time, these habits then start to compound. And then over time, they then either become a huge uh, negative impact on you, cancer, lung cancer and death, uh, or you become a healthy person and an inspiration to other smokers. And you see this this relationship in… He
1: makes it sound easy, hey? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you still have to do the work, right? So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think in terms of the original question with your employees, keeping them motivated, maybe the first step then with what Matt is saying is to really find out what motivates each and every one. Would that be very
0: laborious
1: would you suggest something like that to actually taking the time chatting to them one you know one-on-one yeah what is their vision going forward what is your short-term goal here at the company what is your long-term goal you know maybe that's somewhere to start i don't know
0: yeah that's a good it's very good very good point um i did that towards the end of last year um when i met when took out every employee regardless of level out for a lunch um, and to have an actual one-on-one yeah. conversation with people, and what struck me uh, exactly about what do they want, what do they actually see themselves uh, doing, what kind of training do they need, you know, blah, blah. what's happening at home? Because by the way, there's so much stuff happening at home. Yeah that you don't see you don't need because you don't ask you don't no one's going to hey matt by the way this is what's happening i'm suffering from clinical depression you know blah blah i'm going to get admitted next week uh you know no one mm. no one as a ceo you don't get that FaceTime with a lot of people and so you know i would say i'm quite grateful given the size of digital kung fu you know 30 odd people um, that uh, that I get access to people at that level, but the bigger the company, the far further off that gets. So then there's then systems start to become really important. There's a great tweet. I really want to share this as well. It's like mm-hmm. um, uh, it was. Uh, you never rise to the level of your goals. You always fall to the level of your systems. And so mm-hmm. so in systems, then if you think about motivation, one of the the ideas would be how do you understand exactly what motivates someone because you Saskia might be motivated by money but a single because you're a mom husband your life stage is very different but employing millennials who want any role CEO and above um, then for them it's a very different type of motivation that one needs to unpack so to Mm -hmm. your point uh, recognizing what that is some people just want learning and growth they don't care about the money you know, uh, which a lot of my some of my staff do uh, fall into that category, uh, but I think, as I say, caring enough to find out is where you start,
1: and then to check in on that, and don't do it a one-off sort thing, and then that's it. There and you if go. you do have a huge company, then obviously your heads of departments or whoever would then be doing that, right? That's it. If you do have,
0: yeah. Hi there guys. So quick one, just to say we have launched a studio line. You can now interact live with our guests either online and or using your mobile phone. The number for the studio line is plus two, seven, seven, nine, nine, double four, eight, six, three, four. The number again is zero, seven, nine, nine, double four, eight, six, three, four. Add that to your phone guys now, and we'll be happy to take your questions live on the Mapround show. Cool. I've got uh, two questions here. This one's from Benny on the WhatsApp line. Uh, Okay, another one. I own a fitness gym and I was able to monetize my business business through virtual workouts. My question is when it comes to retaining customers in this new work, what strategies could I put in place for this? Hmm. You take this one, Well, this is quite similar, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Isn't it quite similar? Look, I I don't think there's any way – if you – yeah, you've got to do it online for now. When do you, when do you see that changing?
0: Well, you could, you could do a simple mechanic, like, you know, um, refer one friend and get one month free because your, your revenue would be the same. Right. But
1: would this be an online thing?
0: It wouldn't matter online or otherwise. Um, Yeah. It wouldn't matter really. Uh, But I think it's about being quite creative around your proposition uh, if you're looking to retain customers. And the other thing, as I suppose we did cover this largely, but like just ask, you know, what would, yes, what well, could, that's the thing. Yeah. What could so I what do I want to, to make? Know from you, yeah.
1: Because when I was always, so I must say with my health and wellness business as well, it was always referrals were number one. But where's the line with any business and any marketing between having a great deal and being appealing or looking desperate? So you don't want to be, uh, oh, come for free. And then they go, oh, well, I'm not so sure. I don't really want to, do you know what I mean?
0: Mm, because if you
1: appear desperate, think, people think, well, you don't really have much to offer then. So where is that line? Especially now, because people know if you're a fitness person, you pretty much are desperate because your gym is closed. nobody. So how do you make your online offering good enough to not look desperate right now?
0: Yeah, it's a great point. Nobody likes a desperate salesman. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, but what I would say is don't discount. Discounting makes you come across as cheap. Um, it makes you feel uh, like you're competing on price, which is always a, ra- a race to the bottom. Um, and so what you should look to do is stack your value, not your discounts. In other words, you've got to frame your scarcity and dictate your value, and so the way to do that would be to mm. add to your value proposition, not take away. So as an example, you would say, uh-huh. "I tell you what, okay. I'm going to I'm going to come to your house and charge you a thousand rand for a personal training session. Here's what we're going to cover, right? But then I'm going to give you access to my online training program or my online diet program, or I'm going to uh, you know subscribe you at half the cost to my direct-to-home diet program that supports this particular strategy Mm. to achieve this particular outcome for women who are divorced. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever. So, it never discount. So, uh, that
1: would be more a special offer and not…
0: Yeah, it's a special offer. Yeah, it's it's about stacking your value, Mm. right? So, what can I add to make… So, so I work with an idea of 10x… What is? How can you create 10 times the value at the same cost? That's how you retain mm-hmm. a customer. So, Benny, that's what I would think about. Like, what can you add to your value? What can you add to the lives of your gym customers? Virtual workouts, great. And then what else? Like Alan Reyes, yeah. who uh, hosted the sh- format of the show, um, um, when was it, earlier this week, he said, I've learned a great word recently, and that's and. Uh, and so I'm stealing that now and putting it into this question. You were talking about like, how do you include, how do you lead at home and at work? or well, let include your your family and your things in your work life where, where you can. But in this case, and is and what? And what other solution can you bring? If you think about digital Kung Fu, we've got the lightning strike, got tech sumo, we've got the go-to-market suite. We've got, you know, all these different things that makes us, stupidly compelling the virtual connection suite we haven't stopped innovating at a product level because whoever you are if i know that if i sit down in front of a a prospect i'm going to close you that is my mindset and that is the mindset of my team and the only and the, the belief comes from the product and knowing that you have the best value in the market especially now with so many workouts being available online you can't stack virtual workouts right it has to be framed differently as part of a broader yes that's the
1: thing yeah
0: diet is the thing that's missing there's workouts everywhere but where's the diet that's done for me as a busy person like i would actually sign up for that do you know what i'm saying a 12 week program workout at home you get access to online virtual workouts right so you can start to scale your time and then mm-hmm. the diet piece. So we're going to pre-cook food and we're going to send it to you so you don't have to worry about anything. I was going to say, if you. you
1: send it even better, can you imagine, hey? Because yeah. you might be like us, at home, working full-time, kids. I mean, you probably are. Do you have time to cook? Maybe. But to cook healthy, you just think, oh, I don't have time. So yeah. this would be ideal.
0: Totally. Totally. And I would do it hmm. because people don't want the hassle. And even if they were, yeah. uh, if, even if they wanted the hassle, they would, they wouldn't have the, the knowledge gap, right? They, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to cross the knowledge gap because you have that. You're the experts. I'm paying you to tell. Yeah. And also like my body is different. Right. So, and again, it's all in the message. It's like, this is a diet program for men 40 and above because the body, would you
1: always niche that? Would totally, you?
0: Totally. Totally. Do you totally. always
1: think that's better?
0: Always, I will look, I hate using words like always. I would say in most cases, yes, you have to know that there is 500 Matt Browns, right? That you can reach 500 of these guys um, who are CEOs, who have cash to spend, who dig exercising, who are busy, who are married, So it's all about that avatar of your customer, right? I'm looking for 500 of these people. And the great news is if you want to find 500 or 500,000, you go straight to Facebook. You start an ad campaign. You don't even need to spend a cent. You just need to put in the interests, right, and the demographics. So how old are you? Are you married? Are you in Gauteng? Are you you da-da-da? And Facebook will tell you before you start exactly how many people you can reach of that demographic, then you figure out, here's your offer, you buy the ad, and off you go. It's that simple.
1: He makes it sound simple, hey? Oh God, I think it's simple. <laughs> simple for that, bro. I've done it too if many you times. No how to do that on, if you don't know how Facebook works in that way, yeah. would you get a little tutorial? Would you, what would you do in that, in that situation?
0: There's so much stuff if really on Facebook. you
1: don't know how to sponsor ads or how to target
0: there's so much stuff on facebook here This so uh, like facebook ad buying youtube informal learning the greatest asset you have at your disposal access to information essentially you don't need a book you don't need a training course you just need a li- an internet connection and that's all you need to learn anything you want to, to market yourself to death um, and then it's about listening and learning and seeing and listening to the customer and iterating it's like experiment execute test and repeat. Experiment, execute, test, and repeat over and over and over and over and over. Uh, And that will always, uh, as a framework, that will almost always, (laughs) I hate using the word always, almost always drive your sales in the right direction. And if it goes down, well, then change it, right? Change it. That's the whole point of experimenting. But most people, they don't start. They don't even start the experimentation process. They don't try a new product. They don't try a new customer. They don't try a subscription versus you know, a, month, a project a fee, as an example. Uh, I've got another question here from, uh, yes, Mav, there is a baby going off in the background. That is uh, Saskia's baby. Congratulations again on number two. Um. This one's from Annette. (laughs) Are you laughing with the mute fairy again? Oh, there she is. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Matt. uh, This one's from Annette. Thanks, Annette. hey, Matt, love your live streams. My question is, as a business owner, how can I remain calm and focused in this new normal we find ourselves in? Paying staff becomes a sleepless night and office rent is just draining when no one is using it. Is there some practical tips that you have? Um, Jeez, big question. Calm and focused. Um hmm, calm and focused. I think it uh, like I like I as I said in the beginning of this episode, I thought this month was gonna be a huge cash flow crunch for us, the first real big one with lots of staff to pay uh and lots of debtors and then waiting for that cash to come across the line. Um and uh it all and in that time I was actually surprisingly okay. Uh I because I think the thing to recognize is that you know, this uncertainty, it's never going to go away. It'll just be labeled something else. It'll be a recession. It'll be, uh, you know, uh, COVID-19. It will be a, a Great Depression. It'll be a financial crisis. There will always be something, right? Um, and um, you need to recognize that that's never going to go away. And the only certainty is uncertainty. And so accepting that, because I, I said this also uh, in the last episode with Alan, like suffering only starts when you have a problem with reality, if you don't accept reality, if you don't fully surrender to it, you will never be calm. And if you're never calm, you'll never be focused. As they, you can't be, you can't, you can't, uh, like, they go together. You have to be centered, whatever that means to you in your, in your individual context. Um, and for me, it comes down to accepting that this is what's happening to you. So I could have freaked out. I could have made the wrong decisions. I could have totally been the wrong type of leader under pressure but recognizing that it wasn't the first time that I'd been here and that it will pass. It will pass. Uh, and so uh, fast forward five days later, we've had our best month ever. So go figure that out. You know <laughs> what I mean? It might like,
1: pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass.
0: <laughs> you know, and that's like millions in revenue. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so for me, it's it's just yeah. about accepting that this is what it's this is what's going on. And you know what? The worst case scenario, if if you lose your business, you haven't lost yourself. It's just the business. The business failed. You didn't fail. The business failed. And I think those are very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and recognizing that you can always start another business. Right? Uh, going back to staff becoming staff for Sleepless Night. That is just part and parcel of it. Like I remember not too long ago, and isn't that yeah, go ahead.
1: It's an, isn't that part of being an entrepreneur?
0: Mm. Exactly, right. Having
1: that sort of stress, so you have to get used to those feelings and mm. figuring out your way of managing that. Surely,
0: exactly. And you know what? If you've come, you didn't come this far just to come this far, right? So, like, I remember not too long ago, freaking out about sixty thousand rand in salary bill. Now it's like a million, <laughs> like it's over a bar. Uh, and that's happened in almost no time. And so, in fact, it's more than that. But but anyway, my point is it's like it, it just, it, the feeling never goes away. It's just the numbers go go north, right? Mm. Um, and so the bigger the number, the bigger the risk, but the, also the bigger the upside if you manage to pull, pull this all off, right? Um, but practical stuff you can do, meditate, I find works very well. You, you find that you have a little bit more Capacity to respond versus react to things. Um, and I think the other thing, one thing I will definitely say is speak to someone. Speak to someone and ask for help would be the third thing because we all like to tell everybody else how rad things are for us. Best life ever. You know, no one's vulnerable. Nobody wants to say, listen, uh, like, and I told Alan even before we went live, I was like, dude, major cash flow crunch. Uh, I'm like, I'm like you know, shit myself, you know. Um, and so just, you know, and then he can rebound and say, no, but that's normal. Like I've got companies who like have 500 million in salary bills and they can't pay. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there's always the haves and the have-mores and those people who have it worse than you. Mm. Um, but uh, speak Absolutely. to, that's why we do the show, this version of the show, the Getting Down with Brown, is because we want to help mm. you Get through this so that you can ask for help. Thank you, Annette, for asking for help because that is the, the first step towards overcoming the problem. That's what mm. I would say.
1: And isn't it isn't it the same in anything in life? It's it's a wave. So when would you know? So you'll always have your dip in the wave. So it's the same if you're in a relationship and you, d- you don't know if you want to be in it or anything in life. And if this is your dip, how do you know whether to ride it and it will come up or how do you know? to say, no, this is it now. well do you, you just, follow your gut with that? Yeah.
0: What do you do? What do you do? Well, I don't know. I think you, you just have to go forward. Like there is no way you can go back. Mm. <laughs> it's like you just have to go forward. Sorry, you have to find a way. If the universe pushes back, step sideways and try again. You know, it's perseverance. Mm. That's the that's the number one quality, right? Especially now. Um, let's get uh, some sure. more voice notes going on here. Hi there. My name is Gareth Leck, and I'm the Group CEO of Joe Public United. And my question
1: is you know, a massive part of business and entrepreneurship is innovation and
0: adjusting to what the market needs. So, my question is what actions are you taking as a business to adjust to? what the market needs and where the market is going in the future. Thanks. Cool. Uh, thanks, Gareth. Joe uh, Public, uh, massive agency here uh, in Johannesburg um, and a very successful one too. Um, yeah, so I suppose we kind of touched on that, right? I think uh, the one thing I will say though is that Joe Public is a much bigger business than Digital Kung Fu is at the moment. And um, the bigger the ship, the slower it is to steer uh, to the left or to the right? Um, and so innovation, uh, becomes quite a difficult thing to, to manage and execute on (laughs) getting some funny comments here on WhatsApp. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so look, innovation is the kind of thing people love to talk about, but very few people actually do. Um, you know, they want the QDF as Rich Mulholland calls it, the quick, dirty F-U-C-K basically um because he used to sell innovative workshops and things like that and after literally interfacing with ceos and c-suites of the biggest businesses in the country he quickly realized that they actually just want to talk innovation they don't actually want to do innovation um and so uh, even just to fund an innovative product is hard it's difficult right because how do you convince especially when you've got shareholders like i'm the only shareholder but if you've got you know, equity partners, Joe Public just did a massive uh, deal. Um, forget the name of the capital company now. And this came out uh, earlier this week or no, last week, Friday, actually. Um, so they've got stakeholders, massive stakeholders, big investors, capital investors, et cetera. So for the, now you want to chain, take Joe Public in a different direction. How are you going to pull that off? um and it's not easy right you've got existing customers who are expecting a certain type of service you also don't want to innovate something and then or and do an, launch an innovative product or service and then find that it cannibalizes your existing customer base so innovation is fraught with problems so the the one of the great examples that are that um that I've come across around innovation specifically is that you have to do it as a separate company completely So we've got separate companies for all of our things that don't all sit under one operating entity. Um, And so what you do is you set up the Skunk Works. And the Skunk Works was a famous um, story. I'm actually going to try and Google it here. But it happened during the Second World War, Skunk Works. Um, Let me see if I can find the actual story. Yeah, Lockheed Martin's Advanced Development Programs, ADP. So this is a Wikipedia page. So let me uh, share my screen here just to illustrate the points around innovation. So here it is, Skunkworks. So basically what they what they wanted to do was innovate. And this uh, Skunk Works was the name they gave to the factory that they financed and set up away from the core business itself. It was a totally isolated, separate entity that had nothing to do with day-to-day operations. The people, the PL, the processes, the whole thing was completely separate to uh, the core business. And the reason for that is because there's this idea of the corporate antibody. And the corporate antibody will always come to kill the germ and the germ is innovation so the only way that you can do that and why the skunk work was so successful which led as i said to the development of the first jet engine and this was during the second world war when they were trying to essentially build something that could basically destroy the german luftwaffe right Um, and so the stakes were incredibly high so they couldn't deal with all any kind of organizational inertia anything like that so they set up the Skunk Works, and the Skunk Works was near a stinky factory, right? So it stank so bad. <laughs> I, I forget uh, what the actual factory was, but it stank so bad they called it the Skunk Works, um, and that was what uh, Lockheed Martin did to develop the uh, the the first jet engine, which then obviously went on. And you know, the, the, as, you, as you know, uh, the Nazis kind of lost that uh, that war, right? So that is what it takes to innovate. I used to sell. <laughs> innovation to companies like omnia to a lot of big companies that were old like a 80 100 year old fertilizer company trying to sell them an agri-tech company you know so how do you predict uh the impact of the environmental factors on crops using data and spatial data and geospatial data and stuff like that so you used to sell them the idea but you try and get funding for that then it happened so um, so I'm not saying that's in all cases, but I'm saying in most cases because when people and company are motiva- companies are motivated by profit, that changes everything, right? Uh, because how do you justify another million dollars or a $10 million or $100 million investment in a new product when you've got existing shareholders that want value? They go, well, you're going to take a risk on this thing. What are you talking about? So uh, if you are interested in... Uh, in, in, in innovation, Clayton Christensen's the best guy I know uh, who wrote a uh, couple of books actually about disruptive innovation, uh, which I highly recommend you guys uh, check out. Cool. Um, so, you that,
1: always do it on the side. I've never thought about this. Okay, I'm going to have to go, though. I have to go be a mom.
0: Okay, go be a mom. Am I on mute? No.
1: Am I on mute? <laughs> no, you're
0: not mute. <laughs> For this the was, first time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I keep muting. This was so interesting. As always, where can we find this podcast?
0: Anywhere, anywhere on map anywhere. Round Show. The Maphron okay. Show. I'm going to take one more you question though. Me again. I've got more questions. Yeah, you go ahead okay. though. I'm going okay. to go tight. I'm going. Alrighty, Thank thanks, Saskia. <laughs> thanks for being here. <laughs> Bye. Cool. Bye. Uh, this one's from uh, Brad Shorkin. Hey, Matt's Brad
1: Shorten from Still Human here. So, what I'm wondering is uh, in South Africa at the moment. We've got a situation where we've started to go back to work. Many people, not everybody, but many the economy has started to open up again um, and many businesses are experiencing very tough times. There are some big decisions to be made about the road forward. What I'm wondering is what should the business leaders be focusing on as um, mission critical right now? What are the, the two, three, four things that they should be giving maximum priority priority to And how do they then make that practical and implement on those mission-critical focus areas?
0: Hmm. Uh, Well, um, I suppose the first thing which um, is totally up your street is your people, uh, your culture. I mean, you wrote the book about this, We Are Still Human, Um, literally the book (laughs) uh, about this. So I'm sure I don't need to convince you too much about that idea. Um, but certainly uh, your people, right, and your culture, that that is like, whatever's happening outside your business, it's less important than that. Uh, so if you think about that, then then one says, well, what does one need to implement to essentially ensure that you can foster a culture and a distributed workforce to essentially create high performance teams? And so one of the things um, that uh, I've learned recently, and it was a lesson from Rourke Denver, who was... well, was, I should say, yeah, uh, a Navy SEAL. And he used to train Navy SEALs, ran every facet of the Navy SEAL program at one point. Um, And so he said to me, he said, look, Matt, uh, you have leaders and you have teams. And the common misconception is that the team serves the leader. And he says, that's completely the wrong way around. It's the leader must serve the team. Um, And he recounted a story to me about the Navy SEALs. So when they go to war, they have a very broad plan. Like they don't have a very specific plan whatsoever. And so what they do when they hit the ground is they meet with the head of the military on the ground of the task force there. And then they say to him, what do you need help with? And he'll say, well, I need you to go and shoot those seven dudes there. Or on top of that copy, there's a sniper there. Or we can't, you know, our supply chain keeps getting uh, attacked by insurgents or whatever the case is. And so the Navy SEALs will adapt what they do to the problem on the ground and that's what makes them the world's most successful force and so in the business context it's not about the team servicing the leader it's actually the other way around and so in the process of servicing your team one then needs to ask the question well how does one give more accountability how does one uh give more responsibility not less uh alan is a great thing uh on his wall which says am i which he's had by the way on his wall and it's so old it's a picture that he printed out years and years ago and it says one thing it says am i staying standing in the way of race corp right so if you think about that um, you know it has massive connotations to it right in other words as a leader in terms of people and culture what am i doing or not doing that's standing in the way of the success of this business and all my people? Um, and I think those are some really big questions that uh, that we all have to to wrestle with every single day. Thanks for your question. All right, guys, so that concludes this episode of the Getting Down with Brown format of the show. We will be doing more interviews from next week, so look forward to that. Uh, don't forget, guys, uh, you can get a free copy of this year book, Your Inner Game, on mattbrownshow.com. So go ahead and get your copy now. Thanks, everybody, for checking in. We'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The MapRound Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon bestselling book, You're in a Game for free right now today, you can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Clients haiku went from a two percent share of voice globally to an eleven percent share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.